Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 51 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, what's up? How are you doing today? I am doing absolutely fantastic, man. I can tell you are. I mean, you got a little prop with you as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I got one, too. I like to call this the golden sombrero. Now, a golden (laughs) sombrero, for those of you who don't know in baseball, is uh, when you strike out four times in a game. I'm going to call the golden sombrero on the Yankees, but it's going to be four losses in the weekend (laughs) series. Oh, man, that's beautiful. We came I know. um, I'm stoked, man. Oh, yeah, we have to come accessorize. I'm still waiting to see the game going. It started a little late, I believe. Mm -hmm. It said uh, rain delay. I think they had the tarp on the field. I think that's due to extra precipitation from one Mr. Garrett Cole's tear ducts, (laughs) I think, is, is is what was going on there. I'm not too sure. Um, I don't know um, if Aaron Boone yelled at him or something like that, but um, yeah, we're feeling real good going into today, man. Let's talk about what's been going on. Let's have an actual good, happy episode for once, man. We've been so down lately. Mm -hmm. I think now's the time to flex our Toronto Blue Jays, man. The delay on the field was for uh, Paul O'Neill retirement ceremony. They were retiring his number. But I will say I love the rain delay over some salty Yankees tears any day. Much better than a retirement ceremony. And, uh, yeah, we got lots to get to on the show today. We're going to recap the series that was against the New York Yankees. We got thumbs up, thumbs down. We got some news and notes. We're going to preview the upcoming series against the Boston Red Sox. But first, Riley, you kind of mentioned it coming in there. The Jays had been disappointing for quite the last little bit. At one point, we lost eight out of ten games. We lost two series against Baltimore. We lost a series against Cleveland. We've even seen this blue Jays team drop out of the top wild card spot so things were looking a little bleak and Riley let me tell you maybe we just needed to play a bad team like the New York Yankees to get the uh get the motive better or something like that to get the spirits high but uh Kevin Gosman had a quote coming into this series and he said you know what I know we've been struggling a little bit lately but if we can come into New York here and beat the crap out of them we would definitely be making a statement and boy Riley it sure seems like they've have they've won each of the first three games of the series game four is currently in progress right now it's just the bottom of the first inning so still a long way to go but we're feeling really really good to be a Blue Jays fan right now coming into New York and playing this well against the New York Yankees Oh, baby, do we ever feel good, man. That was a great quote by Kevin Gosman. Mm-hmm. And it's really making it even, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Even if we lose today's game, I am still so happy with this performance against the New York Yankees. We took advantage of an ice cold ball club. Mm-hmm. The New York Yankees have not performed well since, I believe, around the time of the All-Star break anyways, or last 40 games. I think I read a stat somewhere where their losses are almost doubled their wins. Something I don't pay attention to the Yankees numbers for a lot of reasons. Uh, whether it be because they have a good ball club or because I don't like them, whatever it is. But Right now, we're sitting with three out of three games won in this weekend series in New York. Mm-hmm. That's so important. A, a ballpark that we've struggled in so much in the past historically. And we are just in, you know, no pun intended. We're in full swing right now. The bats are rocking. Pitching has been just phenomenal. It's one of the best series we've played in a long time. Absolutely. And the Jays are feeling really good about it, too. Let's get into the game recaps real quick here so you know what you saw and what we're going to talk about in the episode here today. Game one, the Blue Jays won 9-2. to two. Jays explode for five runs in the second off uh, Frankie Montas on the back of a five-hit game from George Springer. Multi-hit games for Alejandro Kirk and Teoscar Hernandez as well. And we got a three-run Yankee Stadium special home run from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And Jose Barrios had a bounce-back start in this one. Six and two-thirds, six hits, one earned run, one walk, and nine strikeouts. 
Game two, this was the Apple TV game. Jays won this game 4-0. Kevin Gosman was absolutely dominant in this one. Seven innings pitch, four hits, one walk, no earned runs, seven strikeouts. Jimmy Garcia and Jordan Romano shut the door out of the pen. And Teoscar had a two-run home run in this game. And then another three-hit game for Alejandro Kirk. In game three, this game happened Saturday afternoon. The Jays won 5-2. Yankees took an early lead in this one, but then the Jays scored four in the fifth off Garrett Cole with the key hit being a two-run RBI double for Jackie Bradley Jr. down the left field line. Matt Chapman hit his 24th home run of the season in the ninth to add some insurance. And Mitch White had a lot of base runners behind him but was able to limit the damage and the bullpen. Gold star for the bullpen in this one. Five innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts. Now, game four is still in progress. We're in the bottom of the first. The Yankees just took a one nothing lead off of Lourdes Gurriel throwing error, but there's still a long way to go here. And we, uh, you know, in a perfect world, Riley, we record after the game, but we're both adults. We have jobs. We got stuff we got to do. So sometimes you got to record while stuff's going on. The baseball season doesn't stop, and neither do our lives. So lots of good stuff coming from the Blue Jays in that series. Yes, we'll record now. We'll say we're quitting while we're ahead. We'll see what happens in this one, but we're feeling good on the on the three starts. And you didn't mention it, too. We had two home runs took back on us. I believe um, Lourdes hit one the first pitch of the game in the Apple oh, yeah. TV broadcast. And I think Vladdy so, had one, too, I, I I think, something like that. But we had, we had possibility for more runs to put up on the board. And, of course, Yankee Stadium, not much of a home run robbery. I will, we won't get into the stadium dynamics in this episode. If you want to look back and, and see um, one of our most critiqued Buds and Blue Jays episode, <laughs> yeah. it's, some, it's somewhere um, on our previous um, stint with the Yankees in their ballpark. But, um, yeah, our bats were coming alive, man. I mean, George Springer with a five-hit game in game one. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about that? That was great. And then somewhere along the series, and this is relating to Mr. Springer, Vlad Jr. recorded his 500th career hit, Jesse. Sure did, yeah. Which seems, it seems crazy. I would have thought, you know, he wasn't even, he was pretty close to that milestone, but it seems like Springer would have more and Vlad would have yes. But that just shows you how dominant Aguero Jr. has been since he came into this league, man. I mean, yes, the home runs might not be there on the, you know, on the counting stats, but he's certainly finding ways to hit the ball. Still only 23 years old for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's well on his way if he plays a long career to get to 3,000 hits. Now, we don't want to count that he's still got 2,500 to go, but uh, great stuff from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Riley, the board is open. We're going to go to our thumbs up, thumbs down here. Where do you want to go? Lots of good performances from Blue Jays in this series. Hell, you already mentioned George Springer and Vladimir Guerrero. So, someone else want to take it away here? Yeah, I think we give some love to our pitchers right away, mm-hmm. man. Let's let's talk to uh, let's let's talk about um, a guy that's probably w- uh, in our radar because we talked about him a lot, and I think we'll talk a lot about him right now to to start to show off. And I know you got a lot to say about him. And Jose Barrios, man, I mean, one of his finer starts of the year, and certainly it's I would say it's more of a gifty thumbs up, but. It seems like we got a different version of Jose Barrios that we've been seeing in his past three, four starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very refreshing because I'm going to tell you something, Jesse. Um, the way our pitching was, you know, starting ball games is just is just not how you win ball games. But mm-hmm. Jose Barrios, Jose Barrios brought it, man. Jose Barrios brought it in the opener, and it showed, man. We kind of that's like Jose Barrios start here kind of set the tone for the whole series, right? If Jose Barrios was bad, Jose Barrios, the Yankees clobber him and whatnot, and the Jays lose game one, it can really set the mood for the rest of the series. But I think because Jose Barrios was able to go out and he was able to perform, it put the Jays in a good set to go out and dominate and honestly be where they are today. Now, 
Jose Brios has been battling all season to try to figure out what's been going on with him. He's made several changes and he made a couple of changes in this start too. Um, he made a change to his delivery, Riley. And I don't know if you were watching the game, but even I noticed it too. He was keeping his hands much higher up, closer to his head. And his body, like when he was winding towards home plate, was a lot more closed. So he was kind of getting more of a, like a snap angle or something, almost a horn, horn plate. Now, I don't really know. Maybe that helps him hide the baseball a little bit better. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not a pitching coach. I don't really know mechanics too well. But he's definitely trying something, something new in his delivery to try to, uh, whether it's hide the baseball more, whether it's to get his release point on track. I'm not sure. Um, it's something. I don't know. And for what it's worth, Jose Barrios threw his fastball a lot more in this game, 63% of the time, which is the highest he's thrown it in a start since the month of June. Now, I don't know what to make of it because Jose Barrios' fastball has been crushed this year. And as we talked last episode, um, it's been on a sharp decline since the 2020 season. But hey, he's trying something new. He had a good start. Maybe this is the start of something for Jose Barrios and he can really get it going down the stretch because we've seen these flashes of dominance from Barrios. And so we know it's in there. And if we can just unlock that so we can get that more consistently, it's going to be a good thing for this team going forward. Oh, well, we need if we're going to go down the stretch, we need Barrios to be um, a tier pitcher that we thought we were getting. And it was a nice performance out of them. And of course, like you said, yeah, the delivery was a little different, but pitching is, you know, upsetting timing. Hitting's just timing, right? So, so yeah. you know what? If he can, if he can work himself into something where he's going to get some leverage, get some advantage against some hitters, by all means, fix some stuff up. I mean, mm -hmm. he's working with one of the best pitching coaches in all of baseball. I mean, whatever it takes for him to get his stuff back. Uh, I mean, I'm all for it. Certainly, I don't like to see the fastball hit 430 feet. But when he's <laughs> right. locating it a bit, when he's locating it a bit better and maybe not tipping his pitches or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, whether it's, you know, arm angle, release point, you know, he's still he's still young in the grand scheme of things as far as pitchers go. He still has a lot of wiggle room. It's kind of a sink or swim year for him. Yes, it certainly looks like he's sinking. But you know what? The flashes of dominance, if they appear more often than not, then I mean, we'll be okay. Of course, you're going to, we, we've come to terms to realize that we're going to get the occasional start where Jose Barrios is just terrible. Yeah. I think we've easily come to terms with that after what we've seen up to this point this year. But when he's good, he's been on, man. Mm -hmm. And we're going to need good Jose Brios, especially if he's going to be pitching in the playoffs for us here. Another guy who's going to be pitching for the playoffs when we get there is uh, Mr. Kevin Gosman. And Riley, what else is there to say about this guy? This guy's an absolute stud, man. He's he making statements before the series that the Jays are going to go make a statement. And he put his money where his mouth is. He went dominating seven innings, only gave up four hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. He got eight more swings and misses on that slider. And man, when Kevin Gosman has that thing working, it is absolutely filthy. Like hitters are clueless when they're trying to swing at that pitch and miss. And it's just one of the best things to watch. And uh, I know it's a shame it was on Apple TV and not a lot of us could watch it. But if you were able to watch that start, Kevin Gosman had it going and it was great to see. Oh, I certainly watched Mr. Gosman pitch. And I'll tell you what. Something I I haven't seen the Jays pitchers do a lot of this year is setting up their strikeout pitch, and mm -hmm. I know it's seven got or seven strikeouts for Gosman isn't a ridiculous amount, but when he was you know it was setting up guys with the high fastball and then giving them the splitter low and away or whatever the case was, I mean it was it was very good. Um, and that now I was watching the game with my girlfriend, Apple TV on the tablet, whatever, and I yeah. think it, the the question I think the question she asked me was you know. Why is he pitching that pitch there? Like, you know, it's not a strike or whatever. And I mean, she knows baseball. 
But mm-hmm. Kevin's Gos- Kevin Gosman's splitter has so much movement that he's uh, he's got to start it up in the zone and it finishes low anyways. This is mm-hmm. not a pitch that you throw in the strike zone. And he had it working for him. And the, I mean, I hope that you saw the Apple TV broadcast. If not, I'm sure that there are plenty of splitter highlights this year from Kevin Gosman. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite pitch of the ball game. I don't like the Apple TV broadcast, but I I laughed when I saw this. I've never seen this before. There was an animation on the TV oh, right. where <laughs> Gosman, one ball came out of his hands and it shot into about 80 other pitches to show the, <laughs> to show where the pitches were landing. And, and I laughed because it caught me off guard. And it kind of reminded me when you're playing baseball with your brother or friends in the backyard yeah, yeah, and you yeah. kind of sneak a sneak another baseball in your pocket, one or two, <laughs> and you hide it. You're, you're, you're keeping your you're keeping it tight in. And all of a sudden you throw two balls at him. He's like, what? what's going on? No, it was great, man. I mean. Kevin Gosman, phenomenal appearance, man. He certainly gives gets a pure thumbs up from us. I mean, right now, uh, through every category, I really hope Manoa shines right now, but I really have my eggs in Kevin Gosman's basket for if we need to, to win a ball game, he's our he's gonna be our number one guy on the hill. Agree, agree one thousand percent with that one. Um, another one I wanted to give some love to is just some of the new guys on the team, the guys we acquired at the trade deadline. Um, Anthony Bass and Zach Pop have really, really, really stabilized this bullpen. Um, excuse me, and they've lengthened out our pen, and just we're now throwing just more guys who can get the job done. Less appearances from guys like Trent Thornton and Anthony Banda, and more appearances from guys like Zach Pop and Anthony Bass. And if you include Mitch White, those three guys have pitched to a two four two ERA and twenty two and a third innings pitch since becoming a Blue Jay. That'll play. Good stuff from these guys and a, and a good move, honestly, to get these guys on this team. I was really hard on Garcia um, at certain points this year. I really liked what he brought in his appearance mm-hmm. um, for the setup to set up Romano. Um, and you know what? <clears throat> Our bullpen, I mean, the numbers don't lie, but to watch these guys pitch, I mean, his his fastball actually has quite a bit of break on it. His breaking does, ball yeah. is quite, quite good. I mean, He's been a great eighth inning guy for right now. And of course, what can you say about Jordan Romano? I believe he touched um, 100 miles an hour in uh, one of his one of his appearances also in this series, which is, I mean, that's great. You really have to wind back for Romano to get 100 miles. I know he threw 98 and maybe touched 99, but um, now we're seeing him touch triple digits. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. we were talking before about we don't have a guy who throws gas, well, our Canadian boy out of the pen certainly throws gas, man. So there's some big highlights from our big name guys. And then, of course, um, our smaller guys, Mitch White and his start, a quality start for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the, the second coming of Anthony Bass, and he held his appearance well, too. So, Jesse, we finally kind of figured it out, especially in a time of need against the New York Yankees. It could have came at a better time for our bullpen to keep things together in our starting pitching to take things to the level that they needed to be. Absolutely. Pitching is going to win you ball games down the stretch, and the Blue Jays bullpen has been doing just that as of this latest stretch. Um, I did just want to touch on Jordan Romano and his velocity there. We talked earlier in the year how like he was just sitting casually 96. We didn't see that 98, 99, and we were worried. Is he ever going to get back there? And oh, boy. Jordan Romano's back there and he's getting it and he's throwing heat and uh, just, just an absolute weapon out of that back end of the pen, which is going to need, be needed come playoff time. Um, Riley, I only have one thumbs down. The Jays are playing well, so it's really hard to nag on some guys. We could talk about how Danny Jansen's still not hitting, but we've, you know, we've been through there. We could talk about how Bo Bichette still hasn't been putting the ball together consistently, but uh, you know, we'd be making the same points we've rehashed um, 
all around. I want to talk about uh, just George Springer and his injury luck here. And man, the injury bug just keeps finding this guy. He had a monster game in the series finale against Baltimore. And then he comes to New York. And he has five hits in the first game of the series. And was absolutely MVP of that game on Thursday. But then he fouls the ball off his leg and then has been out for every single game in this series. And I don't have a stat for this, Riley, but it just feels like George Springer fouls more pitches off his legs or off his feet or off his body than any other player in Major League Baseball. And I know we've talked about it a lot, but we just need to have George Springer on the field because you see it when he's here and he's playing. He's so damn good. And the Blue Jays ceiling is so much better when Springer's here. And we just need him on the field, man, because we need him hard come playoff time. I don't think we've ever had a real healthy George Springer, which is too bad for us because he's one hell of a ball player. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. He he's done amazing things defensively this year, which one, I didn't think he was had the range he does. He's really showcased it this year in his age. We've talked about it many times on this show, Jesse. He's in the decline, the twilight more so of his career. I know he's still got time left, but the better part of his career, which was spent with the Astros, is probably done. But we play so much better. When George Springer is in our lineup, he's a very, I love George Springer. I love that he is probably one of the most unique leadoff hitters in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, his stat, his stature doesn't scream leadoff hitter, nor does his power. Um, <clears throat> he's, he's a weapon, dude. At any time in the game, he can pop off and, and go for extra bases, man, whether that be a double or a home run. Um, and to get five games off of him, I mean, ideally, you want your leadoff hitter on base every single time. Yeah. So when he gets five hits in a game, when George Springer traditionally is a leadoff hitter who sits, what, 270 average kind of thing, yep. like you get a game where he goes five for five and boosts his own numbers. To his credit, he has been playing pretty good ball this year when other players have been underperforming. My expectations for Springer weren't the highest this year, Mm -hmm. but he has certainly brought it, man. And I know that baseball is a game where you're going to go 0 for 4 more times than you're going to go 3 for Mm 5. And George Springer picked a hell of a game to go 5 for 5, man. We, We really have made statements in this weekend series versus New York. I mean, I, I I can't even say I feel bad for Yankees fans because we know how I feel, but we are we are just mashing right now in this momentum. If this keeps up, man, we are a dangerous team. We might be one of the most dangerous teams in baseball right now if we continue to play like we did over the last three games. George Springer has shown um, a few small declines. Like if you look at some of the expected stats and some of the uh, barrel metrics, it looks like he's on his way down. But still, it hasn't really shown on the surface level numbers yet. He's still putting up stats. He's still hitting. He's still doing really well. And in, until we really see a sharp decline in like the on-field stuff, I think George Springer, we're going to ride him consistently, and he's going to be a great part of this team for the rest of his contract. Now, Riley, we saw a few new things in the series, and just really quick, I want to get what were your thoughts on these things? We got our first look at Yusei Kikuchi out of the bullpen in this series. He pitched game one. He only threw one inning. He gave up a hit. He walked the leadoff guy, but he did buckle down and struck out two. What were your thoughts on Yusei Kikuchi in the bullpen? <laughs> I thought of it. I think of it like this. It's a re- rehab assignment where he's not being sent down is kind of what I'm is kind of what I'm getting from this. Let him get some confidence back. And I mean, it's almost what I expected his appearance to be. I don't know if I said this on air or not, but if you were to ask me how he would do in a relief appearance for one inning, I would say a walk and two strikeouts, something along those mm-hmm. lines. It just seems like his metrics, man, are like that. He's he's another guy. If I if I say Brios is due for a bad start, well, Kikuchi's definitely guilty of the same things, but his bad appearances or bad starts are going to include a lot of base on balls. For whatever yeah. reason, it's just been incorporated into his game now. Um, again, I 
didn't really pay attention to Kikuchi when he was with the Mariners. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, we can iron out, you know, trying to get his walks a bit better. But what's that going to give up? Is he going to strike out less guys or give up more long ball or whatever? You know, I'm, I'm okay with him where he's at one appearance is is fine right now let's see moving forward what what he can do because it's way too early to move him out of the spot right now we're the with the way our our five band rotation is gelled right now if it ain't broken don't try and fix it and right now we're looking good keep kikuchi in the spot he's at with low to no leverage situation or whatever it is and just see if we can get some confidence back out of him now i do think too that we're, this is not the end of yusei kikuchi in the starting rotation i think during the off season they will stretch him out again and maybe try to start him in the rotation again next year and uh, yusei kikuchi did offer to go down to buffalo and try to continue to be a starter and go for it but john schneider had a talk with him basically saying like no you're too good you're too valuable like we kind of want you in the starting rotation or at least in the bullpen just to see how things go. And uh, apparently Matt Chapman was quite rattled when Kikuchi had offered to go down to Buffalo. And here's the quote that Matt Chapman gave. He said, quote, I'm going to talk to, I'm going to go talk to Kikuchi and let him know that he's a lot more valuable than he thinks he is because uh, he doesn't need to be getting option. And I think there's still a lot of great things he can do for this club. Chapman said, and then he's like, I'm going to go run and go pump him up right now. So the boys have Kikuchi's back. They see the talent. <laughs> You know, it's there. There's a really good pitcher inside Yusei Kikuchi. I know I've said it all year, but we just got to get it, get it out of him. And I think his teammates see that. And I hope that the confidence will come and Yusei can be a dominant pitcher. There is more potential in Kikuchi than Nate Pearson. I will give you that for right as we sit right now. However, I love my boy Chapman coming through. Mm-hmm. You love good teammates, man. And the Blue Jays are a team that has each other's backs. And I think it was the Padres game where they were given profile hell for, you know, not throwing a ball in and a guy getting extra bases or something. And there was conflict right now. And one thing a team doesn't want to have is kind of animosity between the players that might be the worst thing baseball is a game that is almost pure chemistry i mean it's a it's a mindset baseball um it's a mood game if i was playing if i was in a bad mood or if i was you know upset or whatever my mood was that hindered my it was a bad mood that would hinder my performance more often than not unless i was getting lit up by a good pitch or what have you which had happened before don't get me wrong but if you're riding your highs and you're having a good time out there you're likely gonna play man i mean just the keep the merry-go-round going and that's kind of what it's felt like in this series like everyone's on board Espinal's been getting his extra base hits. We got mm-hmm. Chapman with another long ball. We've had Lourdes, Springer, Teoscar all contributing in huge ways, dude. Like we've been we've been on a really good tear as of very recent, and it's just got to keep going on. And if Kikuchi's part of that, that's that's great. I would like to see him a part of that too. And obviously, Matt Chapman and company would love to see it as well. Absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Mitch White start here? He went four innings, gave up seven hits, but only one earned run, no walks and five strikeouts. Threw his fastball 42% of the time, and he threw his slider 40% of the time. And he got six swings and misses on 19 swings against the slider, which is actually a really good rate for Mitch White. His velocity was up about 1.2 miles per hour based on his first start with the Blue Jays. Just really quick, Riley, any thoughts on his start against Garrett Cole? I th- I think he did well. Another guy, another guy who's not going to get you terribly deep into ball games, but he screams fourth or fifth starter for me, mm-hmm. and I'm good with having man. If he puts up, you know, uh, 
average or slightly above average numbers for us, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay too. I'm uh, moving on to news and notes here. Tim Mesa began a rehab assignment with Buffalo over the weekend. Um, he might need one or two more appearances. He did pitch one inning. He got two ground balls and a fly ball today before coming back. But uh, again, the fact that he's going to be back soon is a big plus based on how scary that injury looked in Minnesota. Um, Teoscar Hernandez had to go for x-rays on his right foot, but they came back negative and he is in the game today DHing. So it just seems like something he might have to deal with for this slight little bit, but seems to be okay for Teoscar Hernandez. Riley, I have a few uh, prospect notes here. Ricky Tiedemann made his third start for New Hampshire Fisher Cats. He went three innings pitch, no hits, no earned runs, one walk, and five Ks. Absolute dominant stuff from Ricky Tiedemann, who is now a top 50 prospect in all of baseball. And if he keeps having starts like this, I really do think he might be a top 10 pitching prospect in all of baseball before the season is over. And there's still, although I know we've had this conversation before and it's still unlikely, but I still think there is a non-zero chance he pitches on this team in the big club into the postseason if we make a run this year. Ooh, that's a spicy take. I'm going to have to have a glass of milk with that one. <laughs> I... I Hey, man, he's been rocking. He's been rocking down in the minor leagues. And I obviously, um, three innings is more or less kind of a watch him go start. Right. Um, he's still very young and inexperienced to the, to the you know, the top two, um, you know, minor league levels, which would be double A AA and triple A. So it's kind of a see what you can do thing because he's playing against uh, like, fully developed some fully developed players at that point like there are not too many career single a ball players but when you get into double a and triple a you're playing against you know a mix of good prospects a mix of good veterans guys on their way out you're getting kind of a feel that's it's the top minor league system so if Tiedemann can throw you know five six innings in his next start and give up you know the exact same amount of hits and mm -hmm. whatever maybe an earned run like i mean he's laughing he's knocking on the door of triple a and we might even see um a situation at some point jesse i don't know if it'll be this year and i don't know whether he gets the nod um to head up to triple a but you could see a case for him where he goes from double a all the way and starts in the pen uh for mm -hmm. the toronto blue jays or something like that which i I wouldn't like, I still want to see him get developed as a starting pitcher because I feel like those are the most important prospects to have right now, especially with which, with what's going on with the team, the uncertainty of guys like Yusei Kaku, or no, Hanjin Ryu and his injury. And, you know, let's feel him out a little bit. I don't like to rush my good prospects, and he is one hell of a prospect, man. Riley, I have an update for you here. Uh, Whit Merrifield just hit his first home run as a Blue Jay to right center field. It bounced off the top of the wall twice before just Ooh. rolling over, but it went over. It counts. Blue Jays have tied the game 1-1 against the Yankees, and Whit Merrifield looks damn good in that Blue Jays jacket, home run jacket, so first time for him. Let's let's go. Speaking of hitting balls into walls, over walls, uh, did you catch uh, Gabby Moreno lace a ball and it gets stuck in left field? That was a good one, too. Yeah, Just well. shows you the... <laughs> Shows you the power of these kids. I don't know if you had that in your news and notes or anything, but it's a fun one. Um, I mean, how can you not love love our young prospects like Tiedemann and Gabriel Moreno? They are going to be some some players when they come up into the major leagues, dude. There's been a lot of talk about how Gabriel Moreno has kind of lost his power, but I don't see anyone else hitting balls that get stuck into the walls of the outfield. I'd say his power is just fine. Give or take. So uh, 
Good to see from Gabriel Moreno. I do have a few more news and notes here before we move on. We mentioned earlier in the episode, Vladdy hit his 500th hit of his career. Um, Yoshi Tostugo made his debut for the Buffalo Bisons, and he did hit a home run in his first game there. He's also got an extra base hit um, down there, so he's hitting well for Buffalo. Maybe we'll see him in September. Um, and the Blue Jays do have interest in speedy outfielder Billy Hamilton, and I think the Jays are looking for a guy who can play really good outfield defense and be a good pinch runner, especially in the playoffs, especially after losing Bradley Zimmer off waivers to the Phillies earlier this week. So I would kind of expect the Blue Jays to sign some type of outfielder like this, even after signing Jackie Bradley Jr. So that would be a comparison, and I don't want to compare us to this ball club, but that would be like a 2015 Royals with Terrence Gore kind of yeah. kind of situation. Uh, I Terrence Gore might have had more pinch running appearances than played appearances in his career. One of the weirder baseball players, and don't get me wrong, there was a time um, when Billy Hamilton in the early 2010s playing for you know, a lackluster Cincinnati Reds team was one of the, if not one of, you know, the best leadoff hitter in the National League for a time. A guy who didn't always do it with great contact, but he could mm-hmm. just find ways to get on base. A notoriously speedy guy, Billy Hamilton. If he's known for anything, he can make some highlight real plays defensively. He can beat out a bun any day, and boy, could that guy run the bases. Modern day baseball does not have a guy getting 70 steals anymore, but Billy Hamilton, you know, he could steal 50. I'm sure he did at some point in his career, and it doesn't have it doesn't hurt to play the old school type of playoff ball when you have that extra guy on the bench, when you just have a speed guy, and he could play defense too. Mm-hmm. And all you need sometimes is just you need to win one game at a time. Billy Hamilton single-handedly on the base pass can create a run for you, and sometimes that's all you need. Now, Riley, with that, the Blue Jays have a day off on Monday, and we will go to Fenway Park to play the last place Boston Red Sox. And Ooh, that just sounds so good. <laughs> last time the Jays went to Fenway, we saw a Red Sox pitching. The Jays put up 28 runs in a game. And for what it's worth, the Blue Jays have played really well against the Boston Red Sox so far this season. Um, I think we're 10 and three against them on the year with uh, six games left. So in game one, it's going to be Ross Stripling against Nathan Avaldi. Game two is going to be Jose Barrios against Rich Hill. And game three will be Kevin Gosman against Cutter Crawford. Riley, what's your take? What are you looking forward to see? And how do you think we're going to do here? I think we're going to do great, man. I think that those starting pitchers don't match up with our guys. I think that you got a guy like Stripling coming into his game. And I think Stripling's going to have another great appearance, man. And I think old man Rich Hill's going to fall apart. And Cutter Crawford in his six, seven, eight, nine starts in his career. I don't know how how he's going to do. I feel like the Jays are going to hit very well. And they do in smaller ballparks. The American League East, you know, notoriously has smaller parks and Fenway is one of those with our power righty bats. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw three or four go over that green monster, man. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. If we're not going to sweep, it's two out of three guaranteed. I think we're going to have just fine though. And um, hopefully the blue Jays can pull it a win here. We can keep the good things rolling in New York and Hey, maybe we can chase down that team for the division. We can be on top of the AL East because I think that would be great for this blue Jays team. Well, great. I mean, that was that's why we're here, Jesse. That's why we, you and I talk mm-hmm. twice a week about bald and what's going on. At the start of the year, we knew we had the team for this, but we also knew it was going to be close. This division is no cakewalk, man. It's been the hardest division in baseball forever, man. You can't tell me that maybe the NL West for a couple years or for a couple weeks even this year maybe was one of the best divisions. But over the past, I don't know, whenever they started to implement three divisions in baseball when it was, you know, they added the Central and moved some teams around, mm-hmm. the American League East has is, is been the best division in baseball, and the Blue Jays historically have been the third or fourth place team 
you know, yeah. in, in that time. So it's, it's our time. And we know this, the young guys we have mixed with the great veteran presence. And we get, when we get Gosman uh, throwing like he did, when we get Springer having five hits to go in with our young guys. And then we got platoon guys that we didn't even really mention this, Jesse. Mm-hmm. I know we were hard on Espinal. He had another double in the series too. So the mm-hmm. extra bases are, are now coming for him. And Kirk's looking a little bit better at the plate. Sure is, and yeah. I, and, I, and I still, and I knock on wood, I still can't remember the last time I saw him strike out, honest and truthfully. I mean, it's it's a, it's a team that you can really get behind the Blue Jays. And we've been we've been so good as of late. And I'm sure we didn't even cover everything in this episode about what actually happened. Because... I made sure I got the home run robberies in there at first because, you know, that's that, that's two extra runs for us. Or if there was runners on base, that's more. But Jesse, it's such a good, such a good vibe. And I'm in a great mood now that you told me <laughs> Witt hit his first as a blue sure day. Did, that's, yep. that's fantastic, man. And yes, he looks great in blue. And uh, yeah, I'm really hoping we walk all over Boston as well, man, because they are in rough shape. Well, that'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review on those podcast streaming platforms. This is the home stretch for Blue Jays baseball. 42 games to go after this one. And a lot of dramatic things are sure going to be happening in this next month or so. So make sure you ride with us as we march on to the playoffs. And, tell, and guys, tell us what you think. How do you think we're going to do against the Red Sox? What are your thoughts on Kikuchi moving to the pen? And are you curious? Are you concerned at all about George Springer's injury like anything you want to say do you want to say hey Kevin Gosman great hair leave a comment down below something like that Riley real quick just anything you want to add before we get out of here today yeah I want to say first thing I want to congratulate our world juniors for winning um mm-hmm. you know we're Canadian up here obviously I want to you know I'm a hockey guy as well so our, our guys uh led by Mason McTavish and company we we won the world junior hockey championship after a it got shortened in the wintertime by COVID and whatnot. We picked it up now, whatever. And I also, real quick, want to say that I want Pujols to hit 700 home runs so he's bad. Close. And he's I, close. He's so close. And at least, or at least, Jesse, at least past A-Rod. And I think he is um, just a couple, th- three or four away from A-Rod's uh uh, 696, I believe it is. I think Pujols needs four to tie. Then, if that's the case, let's uh, let's get Pujols some, um, you know, some home runs. Hopefully, I mean, I don't have him in fantasy. He's not a Blue Jay guy, but a guy that you just love, uh, Jesse. Generational talent, obviously, and um, you have to recognize. Just we're a baseball channel first as well as the Blue Jays, but you got to recognize that probably one of the best pure hitters, if not the best pure hitter that we've, we've seen, you know, young and now old as he's still doing it in his later years. I'm really keeping an eye on uh, Albert Pujols for 100 baseball reference war. He is at 100.1. So all he has to do is play league average baseball from here on out to the rest of the season. And he will finish his career with a 100 war on baseball reference, which is something I'm excited to see for Albert Pujols. First ballot Hall of Famer. Yes, sir. That's it for us today, guys. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back again later this week to recap the Red Sox series. We'll see you guys then. Yankees suck. Let's go, Jays. (laughs) 